Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast, in which we analyze Zack Snyder's Justice League by each individual minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And my name is Nathan. You can find me on all social media at NoClutchNate. And I'm Nick Jimenez. You can find my work at uh, Dueling Genre, Franchiseography, Geek by Night, shows like that. All of them running the game and shows like that. Nick, thank you for joining us on DC Cinematic Minute. It is the first time you've been on the show, and I can't believe it's the first time. I wish I had you on sooner. Yeah, it's crazy. No, but I'm happy to finally be on talking about this uh, one of a kind film. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get into it in quite a bit. I, I'm curious to hear all your thoughts and, and, and opinions about it. Um, but you manage uh, an ensemble of, of superheroes of your own, uh, that being Geek by Night, which is 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 um, rapidly approaching the release of its final season. Can you can you tell us a little bit about that show and its final season? Yeah, so Geek by Night is a long running audio series that I work on with uh, a bunch of people, but it was originally created by Scott Corelli back in like the mid two thousands. And um, it's had a reboot, uh, and that reboot happened around like 2015-ish, 20, yeah, 2015, and now that is wrapping up. It's like Scott's Neon Genesis Evangelion. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to keep doing this every like 10 to 15 years. Um, yeah. But no, and the, so the final season's happening. You know, we're wrapping up our, our big story. It's going to be our, you know our finale to all of these plot threads and stuff, but it's a lot of what we're watching in this minute, which is like the main character sitting around a table, like figuring out what, what they're going to do next. Is it, um, how, how is it to you, uh, emotionally reaching this final season? Is it, is it heartbreaking? Is it, is it bittersweet? Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's bittersweet in the way that anytime you wrap a, uh, whether it's a play or, a film or a project where you're like, oh, wow, like we're never going to get this exact combination of people working together again. Um, but just from a creative standpoint, it's been just, it's been really cathartic. Um, yeah. mm. You know, it's like, I, I, I would always, when I was talking to Scott and Cass, it'd be like, you know, for years you say you're going to build the kids a tree house and like, it'll just feel good to finally put that project to bed and be like, okay, we did it. We told the whole story. It, it exists. And now people can find it on the internet. And, yeah. and listen to it as a whole, which a lot of people are waiting to do, we found out. Yeah, I, I just recently listened to the, the first episode of the final season and and it, it just I won't <clears throat> I won't talk too specifically about it, but I, I, I really enjoyed just the way you guys can uh, zero in on certain character relationships and, and, and even some some new relationships like testing out the chemistry between characters that I I'm not quite sure have interacted with each other before throughout the series. Um, and it's all in that first episode. And, and then just the way it, 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 it kicks off the rest of the season is uh, I was not expecting it. So a lot of, a lot of surprises in that first one for me, for sure. Oh, thank um, you. It's so cool. I'm I so really glad to hear it. that. I mean, like we were whole time, the years we've been working on it, we were doing it for like, Oh man, it'll be so fun when, when the listeners finally get to like, listen to this and interact with it. So it's really cool that that's starting to happen. Yeah, and 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 what is it like writing uh, an ensemble of superheroes? I mean, what is how how do you juggle 
so many different thoughts and opinions of these characters you've created and also their abilities. Um, you know, having partners helps having, having Scott and cast there, we kind of like remember, or, you know, we find stuff more interesting than the other person. So we could be talking about like, oh, well, you know, Lorelai wants this. And then Cass could be like, well, if you remember, like, what about this thing? And we're like, oh, but God, that's right. She would totally, that would be the first thing on her mind. And so you give this many characters in a, in a circle or in a, in a argument where, you know, like, okay, what should we do? Well, what if we do this? Well, we can't do that because of this. It, it's always, I think you, we like it when our characters come from very clear, distinct vantage points of mm. whether it's their background or like, what they've learned from their time on earth or like what they want right now in the, in the story. And it helps mm-hmm. kind of going kind of, you know, the rhythm and the music of it really, it, it helps, which I think is, is happening in this scene where, you know, Aquaman has his philosophy because of who he is. Barry is very like optimistic and come on guys, let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it, it's a, it's a cool, it's an engaging scene. Yeah, this this um, especially this minute we have here, where they're kind of showing each other their moral compass and and saying, well, mine points this way, and I, you know, uh, a Barry is a very good example because he um, he idealizes these this the, being a superhero because a Superman like that he is kind of just like a a, a person who grew up on the streets no Superman as this superhero on posters and, and, and wants to be like that where Aquaman is someone with, you know, uh, born to be King, but, but refuses to, to take up the mantle. Mm -hmm. Um, before we get more into that minute, um, could you tell us real quick, just any, uh, what were your biggest influences for geek by night in writing this kind of superhero story? Um, is there any big influential stories? I mean, obviously probably not just superheroes, but just any stories in general. Yeah. We, we talk a lot about Buffy, the vampire slayer, um, and just how that show juggled a really big ensemble. Mm. Um, it happens a lot in anime. When I think about like Dragon Ball Z, yeah. I, th- I think of like a big family of characters that where it's like, it, 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 it goes between domestic and like apocalyptic. <laughs> yeah they're either like having a cookout at master roshi's or like the world's the world about to explode. ending yeah exactly. yeah yeah <laughs> and that's and i know Cass and i are a little bit more like bigger anime fans than scott is but i know scott has an anime that, that he likes um we talk about like gilmore girls like you know we we're really big fans of like 2000s dramas where mm-hmm. you know you had like 20 episode seasons and you could have like character stuff happening as well as like the overall story Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely caught that vibe in Geek by Night because I, I totally could hear uh, the Gilmore Girls slash Buffy like camaraderie as like they're facing this this big threat um, by this certain Billy character, right. and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 you know the the way they bounce off each other, the way that they are so quick with the wit, kind of. Even to like an Edgar Wright style of uh, pulling out these references to things that's just in the back of their mind all the time. So there's there's constant firing of like geek knowledge in this kind of humorous way that they communicate with each other. Um, 
yeah, I, t- I totally get that that energy from that show. So, but yeah, it's uh it's minute one forty one today. We're 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 rapidly approaching the end of part four. I think only today and tomorrow's episode will be the ending of, of part four change machine. But we're talking about one forty one today, which is is going to start with uh, Martha transforming question mark. Uh, we've been talking about Martha and Lois last week, and they were having a great time. We had a great discussion about um, everything that they were talking about with each other. Um, but now she seems to be transforming somehow. And then the minute's going to end about Wonder Woman speaking ca- cautiously about activating the mother box because Barry is saying that we must try to do the right thing. Um, but the only way to actually try is to activate the mother box. And once it's activated, uh, there there will be a lot of problems with a, a certain Steppenwolf. So yeah, let's um, let's start with Martha Kent here, who is transforming into none other than General Swanwick, aka Martian Manhunter? Question mark. Question. Uh, <laughs> Why question Nick. mark? Uh, well, it's, I'm, I'm treating it as a surprise and trying to be as surprised as I was when I saw it. But, uh, Nick, how, how surprised were you with the, uh, the Snyder Cut as a whole? Oh, uh, as a whole, yeah, absolutely surprised by it. I, uh, I was, you know, when this came out, I was kind of living in lockdown with Scott and his, his wife, Bethany, then fiance. And, you know, we knew, you know, the weekend that it came out, we were like, okay, we're going to all take our Monday morning aside and we're just going to like watch all four hours of this together. And I remember being like, Oh, this will be a fun experiment to watch like a direct, Mm -hmm. any kind of director's cut where you're like, okay, I kind of, I don't think this is going to maybe be as cohesive or succinct of a film as like what I saw in theaters, but it'll be a cool experiment to like, see what the director would have done unrestrained or what other kind of, you know, um, and I was very surprised, you know, I remember when we finished, I turned to Scott and I was like, I think weirdly that might be his most like successful film in a weird way. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it's definitely uh, very different from the theatrical version. I mean, even the extra two hours, you would think that the extra two hours would be, I don't even know, like just what else could there be but there's a lot that's of of the original movie when i say original movie the 2017 theatrical cut there's a lot that's still in there um but then everything that's added in it just helps build out that that very two-hour plot that we saw and it and it enhances it in a way i mean it's my opinion of course but overall did you did you enjoy this this movie or i did did find it i i did i enjoyed it a lot you know i i remember thinking because of the length, you know, the four hours of it, it, it is kind of like watching a miniseries or like if you wanted to like watch all the Lord of the Ring movies in a day, like as it started building up and they got closer and closer to like pulling off this job that they've been trying to do, I could, I was mm-hmm. like, man, this is really compelling. And like, I feel the epicness of this, whereas, you know, in the more trying to be consumer friendly version of the, what we saw in theaters, it's like did cutting off all the talky slower parts it kind of robs the movie of its like a storm building you know mhm and and how do you feel about the theatrical version is that something that was i, I know there's 
some people can be more apologetic to it as in saying like, well, it's not the best film because obviously there's so many hands in the pot, but um, I've heard from some people, at least it tried to steer into a direction that was more favorable. Like you said, more consumer friendly. Do you, did you find that that change then was more acceptable? Um, Yeah. I, 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 I can't pretend that I was completely offended and disgusted by this movie. The like, the night that I saw it in theaters. I remember being like, okay, yeah, it was like, I could see what they were trying to do. It was shorter than Dawn of Justice. It wasn't as like dark and violent as Dawn of Justice. Um, and like had some more humor. You get this kind of a more fr- friendly Superman at the end. Um, but now I feel like if I were to try watching that movie again, which I haven't since, since theaters, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I could separate it from all of the, the, the critic. Ba- behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, like, oh, wow, this does look really ugly. I don't know why I didn't notice this in theaters, you know, how bad the lighting is and how chopped together it is. I, I don't think I was, like, as aware of that, like, the night that I was sitting down with my movies watching it, or with my friends watching yeah. the movie. Yeah. And what are, what's your thoughts about the DCEU as a, as a whole? I mean, are you... Um, it's kind of hard to have an opinion, right? Because it's, <laughs> it's kind of all over the place nowadays, but... Um, it's... there. I guess we're all hopeful for the future, right? That's all we can be. But um, I remember this past summer when the Flash came out, um, a lot of tweets or and, and reviews that I read were like, "Well, it's the second best DC movie, at least," you know. And and I was like, "Wait a second. I was like, you really think that the Flash is better than like Wonder Woman, Man of Steel, Birds of Prey, Aquaman, Shazam, The Suicide Squad?" And and then I stopped myself. I'm like, wow. Now that I think about it, there's like five or six DC movies that I like really enjoy and would like mm. en- enjoy watching again. And I'm like, that's that's not a bad batting average considering how many movies they have out. It's it's surprising how many these DC movies they come out. Uh, the reception is usually favorable. Again, like you said, Wonder Woman. I mean, even now with Blue Beetle, I'm hearing nothing but good things about Blue yeah. Beetle. And it just seems like when the next movie comes out, it will then Blue Beetle will fall into that bucket of DC movies that didn't work, even though when people saw it, they liked it. And mm. so it 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 like they all fall into that bucket. I think Wonder Woman, everyone loved that that movie. And then I think the the third act, which was mandated by the studios to be kind of like this, you know, the, the third act that we have. Um, a lot of people tend to start to think less of the Wonder Woman movie, but when you rewatch it, you are always reminded just how much they, they nailed the first movie that Wonder Woman has ever had and that we're fortunate to have it finally. Um, and I just think there's, there's way too much, um, gravity on some of these DC movies. Uh, Shazam as well, the Suicide Squad as well. Hmm. Yeah, Baggage. and it's almost like Baggage. expectations. Yeah. After, yeah, yeah, it's after the fact. Expectation. It's really, it's really strange. Like just the the uphill battle that these DC movies have to climb, uh, and when when ultimately their their stories are are pretty sound, I'd, I'd say. Um, but yeah, so w- with uh, with Zack Snyder's Justice League here. Um, 
the story, I think, I think for me personally, I think it's an, an excellent story. It, it definitely, um, it really makes sense with the characters, like their, their emotional journey into becoming part of this league together. Um, the minute that we're talking about here with, with Martha Kent and Lois Lane, though, I had a great time, you know, with, with them meeting in, in Lois Lane's apartment and talking about the loss of Clark between Martha and Lois. I think that was a very powerful moment. Um, when we get to this moment here and Martha is revealed to actually be, to be Martian Manhunter and, and a.k.a. General Swanwick, a character that we've known now since Man of Steel and Dawn of Justice. Um, I think this, to me personally, has always been one of those things, as far as Zack Snyder's Justice League being kind of like a director's cut of a director's cut, I feel like it's something I would have asked to be removed to have, if I ever had the uh, uh, power to be a producer in a movie. Because I feel like it undercuts the kind of relationship between Martha and Lois. I mean, how did I'll hand it to you first, Nick? But what is what's your thoughts on this revelation not being Martha Kent? Does it take away from the previous scene? Uh, well, for I just want to say, just watching this this minute again, I know kind of how funny it is if if you take a step back that. When he turns back into General Swanwick, he's wearing his full uniform, like full regalia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if you're walking down the street, you're just going to see this dude walking out of a random apartment building in like full <laughs> uniform, full regalia. Yeah. But Have you ever the, seen that? I don't think I've ever seen that. I don't uh, think like, so either. I don't think I've and, ever seen like a decorated war <laughs> general just, <laughs> just like walking around. walking. And like even if they, well, she's in Metropolis, right? Even if they were in like DC, I still feel like you'd be like, yeah. "Are you supposed to be on the street right now?" <laughs> but it's it's for us because like in the in the if he had just if he had been Swanwick, but he's wearing like a hoodie or a t shirt, the audience might yeah. not have been like, "Wait, who who is that?" Yeah, who? I guess. But like, really though, what if he was in like like army d- gym clothes and he'd be like, oh, "Okay, he it. just yeah. like got off of like maybe he's on a run and it's like still but like a big like." <laughs> army word you know on the t-shirt <laughs> yeah. so you're still like okay that guy's in the army i feel like that may be a stretch but you're absolutely right another thing to your point nick is that um uh all of his medals are uh <laughs> are, right, are, are, the- tran- are transformed so like even if he gets a new one he's like does he like put it in a shelf and it's like okay well i just gotta commit that to memory because i gotta transform into that and remember that's where a good it is. point yeah. yeah right like hey wait a second where's your medal from last week oh fuck oh i, I forgot I haven't I haven't committed it to memory yet because it's like because <laughs> is it all psychic? Is it all John's like yeah, pr- projection? Yeah. It's got to be. Yeah. Or is I it can't... like or is it like skin? Right. Like is that his clothes turning into the clothes? And then do you or think the it... metals even like make like a metal clinking noise or is that like his he's got to do that? Oh, telepathically yeah. too. Like if someone were to bump into General Swanwick and they're like, hey, none of your little metals made a noise when I bumped into you. Oh. Oh, crap. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god that's like such a john carpenter's the thing like we're like uh, are you wearing a it cape <laughs> wow oh, that's uh, good that's great uh, but uh but to answer your question uh mark i do think it's kind of the problem that um 
Secret Invasion has currently over at Marvel, where mm. without getting into spoilers, there's like a character that is revealed to be a Skrull that we've known for a couple movies. And now fans are like, well, hold on a second. Now that really cool scene between that character and that character doesn't mean anything because they were a scroll the whole time. And it's like this scene where, yeah, Diane Lane's doing really good work and you love Martha. So you're care, you know, you care about Martha, how Martha's doing with Clark's death. And then you're like, oh, whoa, that was just John. There was Martian Manhunter pretending to be Martha. So was it actually a good scene? Was it actually a tender moment? Because it was kind of a lie. I think it's kind of in the same if we're going to like put it in the same boat as a Marvel thing. What if it's the same thing as the uh, the fake bloody uh, playing cards from the Phil Coulson thing from way back when? I think it's supposed to be just like you just got to have this this push. And, you know, I mean, I guess. But you're absolutely right, though, because then like what if Lois goes back and says like, you know, like, hey, thanks for really helping me out back (laughs) at the apartment. And she's like, what do you I've been here. My house is in foreclosure. I can't go anywhere. Like, I have no money to go anywhere. What do you mean? You think I can go to Metropolis? What? (laughs) How am I going to get there, lady? She's like, oh, my God, who was that? I I, I will say it's kind of weird because what um, the the moment between Martha, pseudo Martha, and and Lois is, is, is genuine. It's great. I love it. If we could just isolate it, it'd be like, hell yeah. But then the revelation being General Swanwick, like, well, what's what's the reason for it? And mm. I think the reason for it is to f- some uh, somehow it, it's meant to get Lois back into the action. Mm-hmm. But that's one thing I, I want to talk about that. But then the other is just pure. It's it's time to finally admit that General Swanwick, yes. to fan theory, was always Martian Manhunter. Something we've we've talked about even when we were doing Man of Steel minute i don't even i don't even think it was confirmed then but we i remember we talked about it on the podcast and so the fact that it it is true it's it's almost like oh hell yeah we did call that like that's that's just fan we we ran with that fan theory for a bit um and so it's true and so it's like yeah that's awesome cool we got we got uh confirmation that general swanwick is martian manhunter but to make it this scene (laughs) To to spur Lois Lane into action, to do what? Because um, she doesn't do anything between now and when she sees Clark come back to life. She would have done that anyways, right? Like there's there's like, there's nothing it's not like she goes to Bruce Wayne yeah it's not like she goes to Star Labs or, or, and does anything with a mother box like her she, she doesn't has... advance the plot any way because when she goes back to to see the the monument it is just like her last time going back there quote unquote right yeah so like what was you gonna do move on she, but her, she doesn't her move. being there is just kind of also happenstance but also Lois Lane superpower um so like there's the there is, that she's always in the right place at the right time yeah absolutely you laugh but like we've been i've been saying this for years it's true i'm telling you it's <laughs> it's shown all the time um anyway so like that is like the thing but you're right the the call to action is not really there's no action i guess it's a call yeah but it's like what else, what are you gonna do guess i guess go back to work like that's what <laughs> That's what you came here to tell me was to go back to work, really? 
I mean, like, I guess if that's, you know, the whole like therapeutic side of like, hey, you got to get out of this depressive hole that you're in. You know, you got to move on, clean your apartment, do things to, you know, go for a jog to help yourself uh, rejuvenate. But then I guess if it's Lois Lane's case, going back to work is supposed to be therapeutic. Yeah, she's so good at it. But that's it. That's the call to action, though. It's just go back to work. Get back to work. Is yeah. uh is this so so I, I I did not get the opportunity to rewatch this before recording. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, is this so is this Lois's first major scene in the Snyder Cut? Okay. Uh, yes. Uh, there's there's previous scenes of her just like just uh, kind of like those Zack Snyder like music videos where she's visiting the grave. Okay. Or visiting Heroes Park, putting she's the coffee scared. down. Putting the thing um, in the trunk, put, taking the costume out. Yeah, there. Um, I mean, there are other scenes where she's reaching for the pillow. There's nobody there. There's a lot of those moments, but this scene with Martha is the first real like dialogue between two yeah, characters between yeah. between her between her and and another character. Um, and yeah. I know a lot of. The initial the initial script for Justice League that Chris Terrio and Zach were working on the original plot point was that she would she would be asked to to move on she accepts it she she says her goodbye to to Clark at Heroes Park and there was this idea that she would move on she would start working with Bruce Wayne. And then somehow Bruce Wayne and Lois are a thing. And then Pearl Superman Harvestown. comes back. Yes, then, exactly. Literally. <laughs> rave! Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That is, that is what was supposed to happen in this story. And so I guess if this is that and somehow it's still in there, stubbornly, where they're like, okay, Martian Manhunter is just going to like, you know, spin Lois Lane to to start letting go of 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 Clark and move on but to draw her into the arms of Bruce Wayne that's a little manipulative well no not to not like a little he's not orchestrating that part yeah if you're orchestrating that that's kind of wild also we don't want that I think fans want Wonder Woman and Batman yes that's true but (laughs) in order for that theory to work where it was you know you know Kal-El's world being taken from him in that sense um that leads into the the whole nightmare yes stuff so it is a reality um possibly not, not to be yeah. seen yet i guess but anyway um but it doesn't matter because that doesn't happen before superman shows up in this movie anyway so for martian manhunter to kind of just be there to be there i feel like it, it undercuts everything but that's, a little bit that's my opinion. Um, just... And, you know, if it was just supposed to be fan service of just being like, hey, here's your answer. You're welcome. Uh, uh, <laughs> but maybe <laughs> thank there you was... for the Martian Manhunter. Yes. And thank you for the really, really cool transformation scene. I, I enjoyed it. But uh, was did you need to put this here? That's another thing. <laughs> it could have been I elsewhere. Had the same, I had the same issue in uh, Dawn of Justice as well where Superman f- 
full regalia, goes back to Kansas and is sitting out under the stars with Martha. And he's like asking about, you know, be your monument or be none of them, that kind of thing. That scene also, great scene, but it's like that. I don't know if that's supposed to be right there. I think that was supposed to hit harder somewhere else in this movie. And it's a little forced and fast. And I don't really know why it's right here. But yeah, I we, like we, it. <laughs> I remember we talked about that because I think in the very next scene, he's back at his cubicle in and in, in yeah. uh, the Daily Planet, and it was like, wait, you weren't you? It's I know like, you no, can that do was that. Your pep talk before a fight, like that was what you just went to go do. You went to go talk to your mom before you yeah. had to go deal with some stuff, right? Like that's what <laughs> I got it from. Anyway, this seems like a just misplaced pep talk again. The pep talk is fine. Pep you can stay there. Just maybe don't don't ruin this for me, Swanwick. Just, just stay as Martha can. Even if it's you, just uh. change back. <laughs> don't ruin this. Uh, yeah, and and we so this was in in the concept arts in Zack Snyder's like journal of drawings of the way he kind of writes things out. Um, and so we always knew that Martian Man- Manhunter was going to be in this movie, in this scene. So this isn't like an additional thing that was shot for the release of Zack Snyder's justice league. They did ask, um, uh, um, they did ask uh, general Swanwick to return, uh, as Martian Manhunter for the, the very end of the movie when they were trying to get Wayne T Carr as like the, uh, green lantern that would show up as John Stewart, but, uh, WB would not allow it. So then they just said, okay, fine. We'll just bring back, Martian Manhunter, which then on top of that would have been like, this would have been Swanwick's only scene just to do this bit and not be in the rest of the movie, which right. is again, just a, it's another thing where it's like, okay, why that? And why, why now for just this bit? It makes more sense now that the reality is that, well, he'll appear again at, at the end of the movie. Yeah. But, but then to think of this movie as just being, this one moment for General Swanwick, it's kind of like, oh, okay, I guess we're doing the doing cameos. It's Easter egg time to tease uh, future characters, uh, which is what comic book movies do nowadays, I guess. So um, there it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so good good uh good transformation how do you like the uh the transformation how do you like the look of martian manhunter nick let's start um yeah um i i I love the the kind of magmic look of the the red on like the the chest piece you know uh i'm not crazy about like the skin texture i guess uh, I'm not, I don't know. Maybe I'm just too married to the, to the Bruce Tim animated version. Um, cause I guess that's kind of my default of, I guess that and the Supergirl version. Those are kind of my two main Martian Manhunters, at least like, okay. in terms of like screen adaptations. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And I think it, it, it's, I can imagine what he would look like interacting with the rest of the league. It reminds me very much of, a, of, of Star Trek. Um, just mm, very, Star very Star Trek, Trek type makeup, and maybe that's just because it's like subtle, um, like cranial lines, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, because Star Trek, Trek usually just does things where it's like, oh, it's a humanoid, but there's just like a little bit of prosthetic on them. You know, it's like mm-hmm. okay, but that's still an alien. Um, 
Yeah. It's good. What, what I, is it? New Frontier, where he's almost kind of like a bug? Like yeah. he's like very inhuman? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which is... And then when he does like the whole like real you know, form, Martian form transformation thing, I still even think that looks excellent, especially with like the animated series with the taller head and just, mm-hmm. you know... He just looks like a good action figure. I had it as an action figure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it, I think it's good. I think they did a good job of just like adapting what we would know of a basic Martian Manhunter look with like the red belt cross on his chest and and the uh, you know the cape, not epaulets, whatever they're called, hooks, clips, clamps, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's it was very basic. It, if and if it was just more for like a fan service, like here you go. I uh, did take it as just that and be like, okay, there's the answer. Um, Mark, how you feeling? Well, I I, I want to echo the, the Supergirl bit yeah. because, um, what's his name? David Harrowood? Her- mm-hmm. um, he, he's the one who plays Martian Manhunter and Supergirl, which is a, a great show, uh, especially that first season. Uh, he does a, a, a very uh, phenomenal portrayal of, of Martian Manhunter, John Jones, and and I think a lot of people have grown to to associate with that that actor and that character. I think to have Martian Manhunter in here, uh, you're really fighting against that, uh, especially the way that DC doesn't really like to connect their different properties of the same characters, and it's something that the DC cinematic universe has struggled with a lot. And I think. James Gunn is trying to change that with his new DC Cinematic Universe and trying to keep the shows and video games and all these other media connected somehow. Um, By keeping it separated, now we have Martian Manhunter, which for a a full-length movie and and one that was um, uh, realized in the making of the movie and and not something that was created in post for this HBO Max release of the movie... This being a CGI visual effects model of Martian Manhunter, we've seen great costume designs by Michael Wilkinson. Um, we, we've seen a lot of great aliens uh, created visually for Man of Steel and Dawn of Justice. Um, and, and this Martian Manhunter feels like it's in the shadow of, of the CW TV show, which it, it's a television show. Those, uh, you, I mean, people have talked about production value of those CW shows, but when I see this Martian Manhunter, it leaves me wanting more. Like, can we have, you know, a real actor? Can we have a real suit by Michael Wilkinson, who's done all the other suits? This being a fully computer generated model, um, it just seems like fine. It's there. Um, but I, I, I would like more. Yeah. I think like the problem was probably like the amount of screen time, like the Supergirl, the CW Martian Manhunter got, which is, I guess just a little uh, being, being spoiled with a live action version of that character. It's like, okay, yes, give us more. And if you like that version, you're like, yeah, keep that same rhythm. Just give me more. And when it kind of falls short, you're like, that's not what I wanted. So and then it's yeah. only here, you know, and then again and for 30 seconds at the end of the movie, like, great, I guess. Thanks for the more. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's uh, to, to, to clarify, the Martian Manhunter and Supergirl is, is also computer generated, but there's, the suit is rather real at times. I think when he's 
fully Martian Manhunter and like their, you know, actual Martian alien body. Um, I think all of it is CGI, but I mean, when John Jones is just wearing the suit of armor, it is a real costume, just like with Supergirl and all the others. And Supergirl, the TV show, has generally had really good costume design. I, I, I really like a lot of them more than uh, what I've seen in Arrow and The Flash at times. Um, but the the suit looks really good, and I think that's all I want here. It's like, can the suit be real or, or something to actually chew on? Like with, with Batman's suit here in, in, in Dawn of Justice and, and Superman, um, Wonder Woman, their costumes have always been greatly realized. Yeah. And to see this Martian Manhunter here where it's kind of hard to, to get the details on it until you get that close-up where you can see kind of like the... I don't know what you call them, what you called them earlier. Um, but the the kind of cape clips. Yeah. Um, that's like the only detail you get. Yeah. That you get really. to enjoy. So um it at least for wanting more. That's all I'll say. All right. Um but yeah, he's here. He's um here. he's here. So let's let's move over. We get a we get a little bit of a voiceover from Jason Momoa's Aquaman, Arthur Curry, saying the dead is dead. Um and then he starts speaking uh, a little bit binary, saying that you know, to to live is one and to die is zero, and there's there's no in between that. Um, and so they're saying that to to activate this mother box. And uh, in, in, in last week, just to kind of give you a refresher, um, last week they talked about what the mother box could be used for. If it's a change machine, it can turn. Um, a house that's been burnt down back into a house. And so they all collectively come to this realization that it can be used on Clark Kent Superman and bringing him back to life. Um, Aquaman, who's always been very hesitant because he's, he's, he's a protector. He wants to make sure that the world is safe. Um, that's how he views himself as, as a, making the right decision. Um, he thinks ethically that they shouldn't do that. Barry wants to try and do it. And so they all believe in the power of this mother box, but they're some are hesitant to commit to it. Um, let me hand it off to you, Nick. What's, uh, any over, overall thoughts on, on this half of the minute? Uh, I had a really kind of cool moment where uh, in thinking about this, the, the minute that I, that I signed up for, which is the, 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 the week that, Flash and Cyborg are, you know, digging up Superman's grave. Mm. Um, I was thinking about other grave digging scenes in fiction. And the first thing that popped in my head was that scene in Hamlet where, you know, Hamlet's visiting the grave diggers. And, you know, that's where he finds, you know, oh, I knew him, Horatio. He finds like Yorick's skull. Um, and then I sit down to watch this minute and Aquaman references Hamlet with to be or not to be. And so I was like, oh, that's weird. That's like an interesting, it's kind of like the reverse because they're digging someone up instead of burying someone mm. and they are in Hamlet. But I don't know. It's, 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 and you know, Hamlet also famously four hours long. <laughs> Not the first <laughs> Hamlet reference in this movie though. So yeah, it's right. very, yeah, very on yeah. point. We've actually been talking about it quite a bit. Oh, um, really? Yeah. And th there's been some, some references to Hamlet. We've talked about it with Steppenwolf and, um, right. And Darkseid being a nephew and uncle and kind of like almost 
almost a bit like a, a sequel to it almost. And then, uh, well, we've talked about Steppenwolf a lot, uh, which I don't, I don't think that we have Steppenwolf in this week. So, um, Maybe if we have more time, we'll have to get your opinion on him. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, there's um, the way Aquaman speaks. He's very, uh, for lack of a better term, I think just binary. He's one way or the other when it comes to um, what happens when, when people die. And um, I'm sure Batman has felt the same way, but he's he's willing to try because he's, as it, as it seems in, in, in this minute, He's now interested in that idea that, oh, this can bring Superman back. If there's a chance, I'm going to take it, which is like a little bit different from how you felt in the last movie. Uh, so it's, it's very interesting the way that Bruce is now all of a sudden interested in this mother box. Um, but we, we kind of had this revelation about Aquaman two weeks ago. We were talking about Aquaman. And initially when, when I saw this movie, I always felt like Aquaman was um, like not wanting to be part, part of the team, like, or, or, you know, just kind of like a Debbie Downer of the group, um, a bit of too much of a realist. But now I, I, I said he's, he, he has a mind of a protector. And, and now I see it as like, he's he's really trying to say the right thing like he is the rock to this group that's keeping them anchored to the reality like don't get crazy now like really consider the the consequences for doing this and so there's a lot to admire about um kind of the advice that that aquaman is giving in this minute so there's a lot that i appreciate from him you used the word protector before um which i think it's very apparent there um it seems like aquaman is more not focused about like how the team is going to react or how they should react to raising superman from the dead um much rather like i feel like he's thinking more so of the planet itself like you were saying like as the protector he does have that regal sense of conversation behind him where it's it, it is like the hamlet trying to connect with his soldiers and kind of thing connect with the people that are under him and at least trying to like show that side it's not just us gods and heroes that are trying to fulfill our wishes we have to watch out for what we're playing with this is a machine that we don't understand and someone is actually after it to try to end the world so like we gotta we gotta tread softly here um Protector is really a good word, I think, that you used for it. Uh, you would assume that, like, Diana would be bringing about that kind of thing. But she's kind of going more side of, like, siding with more of, like, an understanding of this technology. Or more so of the unknown technology, you know? Um, you would think she'd be like, hey, we still have to look out for, like, the people of Earth. Like, that's still the protective thing, but kind of a little role reversal there. Yeah. And, and and what of Barry? I mean, he's saying we have to try. Like, flat out, we, we have to try. Is that... Hmm. <laughs> I would say, is that right? Is that true? Is the, Must they try? Is that what heroes would have to do? Well, Nick was saying he was, saying he was more optimistic in the uh, earlier parts of this minute. Um, do you have anything more to say about that? 
Well, it's a, yeah, like like Mark said, he is kind of like the fanboy, or mm-hmm. he has he has faith in these heroes be- and looks up to them, um, and now is one or wants to be one. Um, and it's cool how like like he's like uh, like Nathan said, like uh, Aqua Aquaman and Wonder Woman sort of have like a role reversal or wonder woman is more on the side. Like she's maybe a little bit more familiar with this technology because she's mm-hmm. quite a bit older than Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it's like, because she's finally, she's with another God, she can kind of fill a role that she isn't normally or that's good. Let's, let's Aquaman fill a role that she would normally fill, which is kind of speaking for the common man, you know, speaking, you know, descent. That is good. I like that. I really do like that. She's actually has a chance to listen to the voices in the choir now, and it's not just her own decision making. Hmm. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and um, with Barry, it plays into his future decision to go back in time to save his mother. I think because um, with that. It's that idea of, well, I have to try, right? If I have the ability to do this, if the mother box has the ability to bring back Superman, as a as a person wanting to do the right thing, which is, I think, what this whole table discussion is about, is, you know, what is the right thing to do and should we do it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's trying not to think about, a, you know, the Flash movie has come out now. Um, I think that the Ezra Miller portrayal of Barry Allen in, in this movie, um, is, is some, I won't, I'm not going to go there. Um, mm-hmm. but this, this lends into it. this, this, this connects to it. The idea that, you know, when, when, when this Barry realizes that he can travel back in time by use of the speed force, and if he can go back to save his mother or find out who killed his mother. You have to try, and I think right. that is the basis of his character. Yeah, to always want saying, to do the right thing. I was telling one of our other friends that uh, the performance of Ezra Miller's Barry Allen, I think, from these movies was more of a springboard that you kind of can see and actually see realized more so in the Flash movie, um, and that was kind of like the old. Well, if you if you look through the weeds, you could find something in that movie. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. you can see the you, you can see the uh, the progression. The yes, yeah. the actual literally a- the actual work when you a- have this character from like the springboard ideas of what they were being directed as, and then you give them a full script. It's like, okay, I can I see that. That's good. That was a good. That was good. Good acting, but you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess you see that in Aquaman too, right? You see the way he is here at the table and then it it lends itself to the way he approaches taking up that trident in yes. the movie and becoming the protector of 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 the whole world, not just the seven seas as Ocean Master would have wanted. Right. And and you know, and to and to rage war against the the surface dwellers. So He's like, no, we we must protect everyone and and unite in in kindness, um, and so that's it's you see the fundamentals here in this Aquaman, um, and then so yeah, I, 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 that's all the notes I had. I mean, we we've been talking a lot about this, the way it's directed. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, Nick. But this is where um, Zach and his crew kind of constructed this circular uh, track to revolve around 
the group of heroes as they as they kind of have like their prototype Justice League round table. This is like the first iteration of this Justice League. Mm-hmm. So, but cinematically, we've always talked about like how beautiful it is that this, um, you know, this this group is here. They're in kind of uh, a casual clothing. They're not in their uniforms or superhero suits anymore, but their clothing. Um, like still represents who they are, like a little bit of the color, a little bit of the shapes. Um, ob- obviously, Aquaman has like his whole rocker boy uh, aesthetic going on, and so it, it. We've always talked about like uh, just the way that it's lit, the way that it's uh, the the whole mise en scene of this scene has always been like, oh, look at it! It's like they're they're having their Justice League moment as a as a team, but they're not they're not fully there yet. Yeah, and it's very uh, even though they're wearing pedestrian clothes, they're still shot very mythically, and mm-hmm. you know, like there's this scene, there's this like one shot at the a shot ends like a a, a a curvature ends with Gal Gadot like leaning forward and putting her elbows on the table, but you know, it's a Wonder Woman, so even that looks really cool and dynamic because like her long back arches or whatever, and. So it kind of, it, it is almost a little like you, uh, you read like Percy Jackson or whatever, and you read about mm-hmm. gods, gods having to appear immortal and like, but still you can kind of see like, oh, like that's Zeus or like that's Hera. Yeah. We get yeah. it in this movie where they were just massive beings compared to everybody else. So yeah, you can see the, the reality in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There that was a word a lot. There was a, what, what was it? The scene like after the, after the fight in the metropolis, project tunnels and then they came out and they were on top of the rocks right and they're looking at uh the ambulances as they were taking care of all the star labs and they were all standing on this rock formation looking down at at the at the rescue and process and it was like oh yeah look that's it's kind of like a little mount olympus you're starting to get Mm -hmm. this this idea uh it is what it is either you like stuff like that or you don't I (laughs) i think some people are tired of it i love it uh but i think some people are tired of that kind of portrayal with these characters, but it is fun. It is fun to look at. All right. We're going to wrap up for today. If you've enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving a five-star review. It really does help the show and helps new listeners discover our show as well. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can chat with us on Twitter at DCEU minutes. And if you'd like to hear more bonus content, we also have a Patreon for just $3 with tons of other podcasts to listen to. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next one here on DC Cinematic Minute.